Hey, Slay. Hey, everyone. It's me, Nina, and welcome back to the No Silas Left Behind podcast. I know, I know you guys are like, wait a minute, where's Jay? Why is Nina doing the introduction? So we had this podcast planned with our awesome guest today for a while, maybe a month or so, and Jay decided to go on an amazing vacation. He's in Hawaii, but he was all prepped and ready to go with, you know, taking his mic and all of that. And then guess what? His husband decided to plan an excursion during the time of this interview. So Jay is off in Hawaii land in an awesome excursion right now. But I wanted to keep, you know, Jay and I talked about it and we really wanted to keep this interview because our guest is super busy uh, and we want to be respectful of his time. And I was actually really excited to interview our guest because he was already a guest on our podcast. So before we dive in, I want to give a huge thank you to our amazing sponsor at Oligo Professional. Make sure you give them a follow on Instagram at Oligo Pro and let's just kind of dive into it. So I don't, listen, you don't even need an introduction. Well, the last time I screwed up the damn introduction. So let's just put that out there. But you were doing so many amazing things in this industry, of course, as always, I know that you're getting back out on the road now and you're teaching. So welcome my awesome guest, Mr. Ryan Whedon. Yay. Thank you. Yay. Thank you so much for having me, Nina. And thanks, Jay, for showing up. Yeah. Thanks a lot, buddy. (laughs) Right. Hope you get a nice tan. (laughs) (laughs) Podcast excursion. Which one should I do? Right. In Hawaii (laughs) yet. Right. A little jealous. Oh my God. Let me tell you, yesterday he sent me, he FaceTimed me and I just opened my FaceTime and just saw the background and I was like, oh, like I, it's so gorgeous. Have you ever been to Hawaii? I have. Yeah. Hawaii is beautiful. I've been to uh, several islands. I haven't been to Honolulu yet, but uh, Kauai, uh, Maui, and where the big one, the other one, Kona. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They're all, they're all very different and, and equally beautiful. I agree. I was there a long time ago. I went to Waikiki and oh my gosh, it was had to be 2007, 2006, 2007. And it was so beautiful. And the culture, it was really cool learning uh, more about the culture there too. So he is out there living his best life. In the meantime, we're grinding here on the podcast. <laughs> exactly. It's tough. Yeah, it's a tough life we it's live. It's a tough life, right? <laughs> anyway, I really, I'm, I'm excited about our topic today because the last time we had you on, we were, it was cool because we got to learn more about you as a person and your journey within the industry. This time I want to talk a little bit more about business and I want to talk about our industry today, tomorrow and beyond. And I kind of wanted to share, I, I love your insight You've been in the business for a long time and I wanted to get some insight in different areas, like from a stylist perspective, right? Coming out of school from the independent suite owners, renters, you know, your perspective on that. And then also for our uh, commission salon owners and just kind of talk about what's happening. What do we see maybe coming up in the future? And then even down the line, what do we see for the future of our industry? So first things first, Let's talk about our hairstylists that are coming out of school. I remember when I came out of school, so now I'm dating myself here Mm -hmm. because I've been in this business for 25 years already. I remember when I came out of school, everything that I thought the industry would be, like working in my first salon, like what I thought it would be, was absolutely the complete opposite. So 
in terms of now we have COVID and we have things are so different, you know, even from like five, 10 years ago, things are so completely different with our students and uh, new stylists that are coming out of school. What do you think is completely different maybe from five, 10 years ago in terms of like reality expectation with these stylists coming out of school and going into, you know, their first salon, whether they're assistants or, you know, hopping right into being a stylist. What's your perspective on that? Uh, great question. I, 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 I'm not going to say I'm out of touch, but um, one thing that I have noticed with the, when I was in touch with schools is that, of course, we all know that the curriculum is based on state board exams and how outdated those have been for years mm-hmm. and decades, and it's probably budgets and a lot of factors involved in that. Uh, I'm sure some of the more expensive schools have updated their curriculum to make it more modern and, and, and prepare students more for what's ahead. I think what is missing is not just skills because skills you can learn you can watch videos it's incredible if i was in in cosmetology school right now i would spend all of my time outside of the salon of course i probably have a part-time job to to make some money to pay for the school (laughs) but but i wasn't doing that i would be focused entirely on okay uh, advanced training if i could afford memberships uh, to get that advanced training so that way i'm more prepared than when i actually do step out with um, things that i'm not actually learning in the school Uh, another thing is of course business uh, and brand building that Mm -hmm. should start from day one and that's not taught i mean it's probably touched on it's probably uh, talked about here and there but of course it's not part of that actual uh, cosmetology state board exam because all they care about is if you're clean and i'm sure Mm -hmm. that really hasn't changed that much and of course being clean is important but um, it doesn't actually prepare you for success so a lot of students will step foot outside of a salon uh, outside of their school into their first salon and they're might be expecting whether it's a commission salon uh, which i would assume most people would probably jump into that or some kind of a training program that they're wanting the owner of whatever business they're in to help them build their business and 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 they step into somebody else's brand so that they don't have to worry about it Mm -hmm. but what's what's so cool and yet so challenging now is that they're working on their own brand. Uh, and, and even if you're a commissioned stylist, you should still be working on your own brand because what a, a, it's a, such a gift now to be able to establish your own brand, even if you're part of a commissioned space. And then if you decide to leave that salon, to mm-hmm. open up your own place, jump into a, a studio, or even move to another commissioned salon, your clientele that you built up, those friends that you've invited into your your guests into your chair they know how to find you they know how to follow you so it's like you never are going to be without clients because in the past it's like you leave a salon you're starting from scratch you leave a salon you're starting from scratch and we all know that back before social media well we don't all know because if you're born in the 2000s you don't have you you haven't faced all the difficulties (laughs) (laughs) but like us that before social media was it was a thing if you walk away from your salon you're losing most of your clientele, if you weren't secretly trying to record all their information in the back sure. room before you, yep. before you gave your notice, because normally they're like, you give your notice, they're like, okay, goodbye. This is your last right. day. Goodbye. We don't want you to, to take all the notes of your clients, which mm-hmm. a lot of us were doing that in secret anyway, or like, hey, I'm moving to another salon. So mm-hmm. if, uh, you know, I'll give you some information, I'll send you an email. Okay. Okay, cool. We'll talk about it later. Okay. Yep. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's how those conversations went. Uh, and now it's just, they're following you on Instagram. You can make a post. Hey, I've got a great new job at this new space, or I'm opening up my own place. Uh, here's where you can find me. Book appointments online here. Or this is where you go. So I think that type of personal branding needs to be taught 
or at least a resource given to them to learn after hours or something. Uh, and of course, if that is not available, if, if there are students in school listening to this podcast right now, there are so many programs out there that uh, and coaches and trainers that are teaching this stuff. I mean, you're a trainer, you teach this stuff. Yeah. I mean, you teach salon success, you teach all kinds of stuff. I teach this as well, as far as mm -hmm. how to, how to build a brand, how to start doing that. And, uh, and we're just a couple of people in a, in a sea of educators sure. now, which is so cool. So I think that's, what's missing. And, uh, peop, uh st students shouldn't be prepared to go out there and have a full clientele because somebody else is going to step up and say like, Hey, you're a nice person. Let me give you all these clients. It's not how it works. Yeah. And you're so right about that. And I'm curious to know, I want to, I want to go into this a little bit because I, I have my opinion on how I feel about this, but more so now than ever, uh, students, so stylists coming out of school are actually going out on their own now. They're going into suites and they're going to rent a chair right off the rip. So right when they graduate, it's like, hey, I'm going to go on my own. I'm curious to know how you feel about that. And I get asked this all the time. Uh, by stylists and by owners, and and I, you know, I stand in my um, my answer, and I've it's been the same for years and years. But I'm curious to know how you think about that because there has been such a shift in the industry with social media and with the accessibility to go out on your own. You know, that wasn't. I mean, I'm going back a ways for me, but even ten years ago, it wasn't as accessible as it is now. So, how do you feel about that? Of course, it's each person's prerogative to if they want to jump into their own space. Sure. Um, but I think one of the misconceptions about jumping into your own space is like, oh, you jump into a commission salon and they're going to take all your money. They're just going to give you a small fraction of what mm -hmm. they make, which is pretty much a lie because salon owners really don't make that much money, right. even with a, a really nice commission split. Um, what, what people that are going on their own don't take into account is, okay, well, I'm making the lion's share of the profit now, and it might look great initially, but you're mm -hmm. paying for product, you're paying for licensing, you're paying your taxes, you're paying for so many uh, other factors that you didn't take into account. So when it comes out to it, you might even be making less mm -hmm. than what you might have made at a commission, and it's two or three times the stress level. So it's something that you really have to consider, is it worth doing that, especially right off the, the uh, right from the get-go after school. Uh, if I was doing it and I would do the same thing as I, I did when I um, graduated school is I wanted to find a really great salon with an education program. Because mm -hmm. if you don't jump into some kind of a, a salon with an education program with other people that are aspiring to, to be better and do better, it's gonna be tough to stay motivated. If you're sure. by yourself or with one other person in a small salon suite and you haven't really built those skills and that confidence um, then, then you're on your own. And it can be a very, very lonely environment. It might be really cool to walk in and be like, oh, this is mine. This is my first salon. I don't need to go to a commission salon. It could be an ego thing. But if you don't have some kind of way to stay motivated or friends to talk to and say, ask them questions like, oh, I'm doing this thing. How would you do it? Can I get some advice on this? Is this mm -hmm. the right color? I feel like that is all such an important part of growing. And you don't have that if you're on your own. I agree 1000%. And listen, have there been stylists that have gone out on their own right from school and have been very successful? Absolutely. And really, you have to do what you feel is best for you. But I think what a lot of people underestimate is that there are so many components of being a suite owner or a renter. It's not just, just let's just think about when you first came out of school and when I first came out of school, 
And then going out on her own, understanding formulations, right? You have no one to bounce ideas off of. Now, if you're in a renter situation, you would, right? But if you go out on your own, a lot of people are doing suites. You're by yourself. Now we're talking, so formulations, patterns, you know, how to, how to take care of clients, guest experience, refunds, systems. What do we do if someone comes in and they're not happy with their service? Like I get questions like this often. And it's those things that that I think a lot of people underestimate when they go, when they want to go on their own. Cause it does sound good in theory, like, wow, I'm graduating and I can go out on my own, but I cannot tell you the importance of having a mentor and having someone like you mentioned, going into a commission space where you have support, where you have a nurturing, safe, secure environment where you can make discoveries and mistakes, right? And you have someone there to catch you. Cause guess what? When you're alone, you got nowhere to hide. Like yeah. it is you and that is it. Um, so I, I definitely agree with, with your answer. And I was just curious on your thought mm -hmm. on that because I find it more now so that I've been seeing that a lot, especially in the Facebook forums where stylists are really just doing the damn thing. They're just going out on their own right from school. And again, no, no right or wrong. I think you have to do what you feel is best for you, but there's so much support and training that you could be potentially missing out on. Mm -hmm. Right. If you're not, yeah, I think those first few years when you get mm -hmm. out of school, those are the most important years of your future, because if you don't jump in and, and really start to make it a habit to train and become better with what you learned in school and, and learning where, even where you, what you want to do, because you don't learn that in school, you learn everything in school. Like the niches are, the riches are in the niches, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's good to specialize. I've made a company around a specialty and it's, worked out really well for me. And you, you notice a lot of other people that, that, uh, even your coaching, you know, you, 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 you have a niche and, and that's why you can talk to, to certain people in a certain way. And, uh, as far as like, do you want to cut? Do you want to color? Do you want to, what do you want to do? And you don't know that right away. So it's mm -hmm. like, you need to, to, to take a training program. You need to learn what you like, what you don't like. And as you were talking about too, great point about learning what a customer experience is like, and you might learn both what you what you like about it and what you don't like about it and and you can take things from that so that you can actually bring it into your own space if you're opening up a salon suite based on what some of these influencers are shouting out about on, online mm -hmm. you might be opening it for the wrong reasons or with the wrong attitude and you might I, i've been seeing so many influencers just calling out their clients saying showing maybe a stream of texts or something from their clients and and they'll say no, that's not how you talk to me. You talk to me like this. When you send me a text, you send me a text like this. Oh, I'm like, yeah. mm -hmm. I'm like, don't pull that attitude. You know what I mean? Like, I know you're just doing it for the drama value to get some likes and some attention. But, uh, you know, if you don't like the way a client texts you, you don't need to shout about it on Instagram and talk about how terrible of a client. You're lucky somebody's texting you for an appointment to begin with. Mm. Yes, you need to set up yourself as a business and, and set those parameters and boundaries. Sure. But don't give them your damn phone number if you don't want to text. Right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, let's, so let's put true. this on, let's, you got to establish yourself as a business. And once you do that, then you can run it like a business. If you're giving out your personal cell phone, if you're saying, Hey, you text me this and they text you at eight o'clock at night. And then you mm -hmm. screenshot it, you post it on Instagram and talk about this person wants an appointment. They didn't ask, they didn't say hello. They didn't say, yeah. I mean, yeah. of course that's not cool, but it's like you didn't give them boundaries early on. Mm -hmm. I also think that I, I, I'm living for this conversation because I think that what happens a lot of times is that people forget that we are in a service-based business. Mm -hmm. 
Like we are there to serve. It doesn't mean that Mm -hmm. you allow clients to take advantage of you, be rude and disrespectful. That's not what I'm saying. It means that just because Susie is unhappy because her blonde, she felt was a little bit brassy and she's coming to you with information via DM or email, however she's, you know, calling you and saying, I think this is a little bit brassy. I'm a little bit unsure, super nice, super kind. And I've seen people like fly off the handle on, you know, to Susie, like, how dare you say that I should fix this? And I did exactly what you wanted. Guys, it's not that serious. Like Susie has brassy hair. What she thinks Mm -hmm. is your reality, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not what happens to you. It's how you handle it. And so we are here to serve. And sometimes hair gets brassy. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's darker than what they wanted. Sometimes their haircut's a little bit uneven, right? And it happens. And I think that sometimes people are so quick to judge. And like what we went through this whole thing, I don't know if you remember this or even if you were like seeing things on forums, but there was a phase maybe like two years ago where people were on this like firing clients phase. Mm -hmm, Do you remember this? Yeah. Like everybody was just like firing clients. And I mean for, and there are times that you maybe need to fire a client, right? I can tell you in 11 years of business, I can count on one hand the amount of clients yeah, that I think I've, I've, I think I've fired two. Right, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yes, there are sometimes you do have to fire a client and according to your boundaries, if someone's being rude, disrespectful of your time, right? There are a lot of things and variables. Mm-hmm. But what I'm talking about was like, people were on a rampage because Susie's hair was brassy, super nice, super kind, but uh, I wouldn't mess with her anymore. I, would, I actually did a IG live about it because I was mm-hmm. so upset about it. And I think sure. back to your point, we forget sometimes that we are still serving, that we're sure. still serving um, clients. And it is, you do have to have boundaries, of course, but mm-hmm. I think when it comes down to it, we are a service-based business. And if you want to continue to grow and scale your business, um, sometimes you have to reassess the way that you're handling your guests. So imagine a new stylist coming out of school trying to handle that kind of situation with Susie and her brassy hair. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? We just don't have, you don't have the knowledge yet or even the confidence, Mm -hmm. like just the confidence to handle that kind of situation. I know when I was first out of school, if someone came back, I was running in the back room because I wasn't confident enough to handle that type of situation. So kind of circling back to, because we were lightly talking about independence, Mm -hmm. um, kind of the first question. So we talked about stylists coming out of school what about independence, suite owners, renters? What do you feel? Because there's been a huge shift. You mm-hmm. know, there are so many more renters and uh, suite owners, renters now than there was even five years ago, especially, sure. you know, over the last 10 years. What do you feel? I would say, what do you feel the biggest challenge is there? And then, twofold question why do you feel that? the business, our industry has shifted that way. Like, why do you feel so many stylists want to go out on their own? So kind of two-part question sure. there for you. Well, I think one is uh, the misconception that owners take all the money and they mm-hmm. don't pay you enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think also to freedom, the freedom that yes. you get from having your own space, your own salon suite, your own, even your own salon, you know, you can come and go as you please. Of course, you're not making any money if you, if you go all the time. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's, I think it's freedom. And I think COVID kind of opened up our eyes to what happens if, if businesses shut down. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if you had your own space, you wouldn't have to worry about say the social distancing 
mm-hmm. much as if you were in a salon full of people then right. at a 30 percent capacity when they first started to open at those in those smaller um socially distanced type of environments where if you had just one chair and one client you could mask up and you could mm-hmm. be fine or even i'm sure even some would think that even if they do close down i can kind of keep it open under wraps you know right, right. um but i think that's one of the big reasons it also just to, to personalize the experience, charge what they want to charge, just have more control over the outcome. Uh, do I think they know what they're getting into? Probably not. Um, but I think it, I think it is a great way to level up mm-hmm. is to start to take your brand and your business into your own hands because then you can, you really can make more money if you run it correctly. You know, mm-hmm. if you get a bookkeeper, follow what your accountant says, plan for things, where I think a lot of people just blindly go into it and they're like, oh, I need to get a DBA. Oh, I need to get a business checking. Oh, I need to do all these other things that you just think you can just open up the doors and charge and and not pay taxes. I mean, there's a lot of ignorance out there. And I think when you first start out, you just have to understand that you are ignorant to it. And, And that's okay. It's okay to be ignorant, but this means you need to learn how to run a business effectively. And again, there's lots of ways people can learn lots of free education uh, that, you know, we throw out there all the time that, that people can learn. Uh, and I think that's where that shift is, is really coming. What, what have you seen? Yeah, I see. So I, I would say that I've seen a lot of people go into a suite prematurely or go out on their own prematurely and in terms of renting um, and, and typically not in all cases, but typically it's fueled by the fact that they don't like something or they don't like their owner. So they don't like something in the business or they're not getting along with their owner. So they feel that the next step is to go into a suite or rent. And they necess- in some cases, they're not ready. Like mm-hmm. you mentioned, they don't have um, the knowledge yet of the business side. Because you, when you have a suite or you are renting, you are your own business. Mm-hmm. You need an accountant. You need a bookkeeper. You need to make sure you're pulling your profit and loss statement. You have to know what your budget is and your target profit is. These are all things that you have to be very uh, mindful of. And mm-hmm. before, you know, we were doing business education, there was no school for that. You know, mm-hmm. there was no college for people to go out and get business education so they can open up their own suite or their own salon business. Now that's shifted and changed. But I do see a lot of stylists jumping ship because they feel like they don't have another option. And it's like, okay, well, I don't like where I'm at now in my commission space. So the only option for me is to go into rent and Mm -hmm. going in prematurely could be that they're only 35% booked. And now they're going into a new space on their own, not knowing how to market, not knowing how to brand, not knowing how to generate new and attract Mm -hmm. new clients and then retain them. And there was a statistic out there, and this is probably from about two years ago, so I'm sure it's shifted since then, but uh, 65% of people who go into a suite are done within their first year. Like they oh, go wow. into the suite and then they're done within year one. And again, that was from a couple years ago, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that it's changed, but there is a lot of turnover there. And I think it is a lot of the premature um, people who are jumping in prematurely because they don't feel like they have another option or they've been, they feel like they've been burned in their commission mm-hmm. world right. and they don't want to go into another commission space. Um, speaking of commission salons, <laughs> well, <laughs> let's talk about them because I feel like, and I don't know about you, but I've been getting so many DMs and messages lately from commission salon owners, which 
you know, I started my consulting business because of the commission salon owner. I really wanted to cater toward the commission mm -hmm. salon owner because I was one for 11 years and I know how hard it is. I know mm -hmm. that the average salon owner now is making between eight and eight and a half percent profit, mm -hmm. right? That's not a lot. It's guys. not a lot. It's right. not a lot. And that's if they're lucky. That's if mm -hmm. they're lucky. Mm -hmm. Some are making two to three percent profit. And think of all of the hustle and grind that goes into that. So I've been getting DMs where they're nervous. Like the commission salon is dying. I feel like I hear this. What am I going to do? And there's a lot of panic wrapped around it, which I completely understand because of the shift and all of the renting and suite ownership that's happening, do you feel like the commission salon model is dying? And, and then I'll ask you my second one because I have sure. a couple questions on this, but you can go ahead. <laughs> I think, I think I, whether or not it's dying, I think it's shifting. Mm -hmm. and I've also spoken to a lot of owners that have actually had conversations with their employees that were thinking about leaving and then they actually gave them the option to rent. Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of this hybrid going on because salon owners don't want to have empty chairs. Then sure. they don't want to lose good people. And at the same time, I, I know one of my friends, um, her name's Sherry Bellinger, is she has a salon and she's given her stylist those options at times. And she's actually even done the, done the um, sat down with them and, and kind of drawn it out. And like, this is what it is like to open up your own business mm -hmm. if you're going to have a suite because she had a suite before she has her salon uh, and actually explain like is this what you want to do like i'm not trying to scare you but i just want to sure. i wanted to to help you plan for your best possible outcome and if it's not here it's not here but i just want you to know like this is what you're going to have this is your undertaking if you decide to go out on your own if you decide to even rent if you want to stay commissioned this is what it is and this is a general breakdown of where you would be in each of these different scenarios the choice is yours but now you have a better understanding as opposed to just going off blindly and just, and just taking a giant risk without actually doing any education about it. Mm, that's so good. And I think that now more than ever, it's important to have those conversations. And also now more than ever for my commission salon owners that are listening, it's very important for you to keep your mind open to change because the commission salon is no longer what it was five years ago. And I just did, I did a, a live in my, I have a private Facebook group called the successful salon leader and it's just for commission salon owners. And I did a, I do live classes once a month and it was about this topic of, you know, it kind of dying and what do we do? And the first thing out of my five tips was you've got to be open to shift and change. You have to be open to new systems. You have to be open to new business models in a sense, because, and I'm not saying that everybody should go hybrid because there's different types of hybrid. You know, you could be hybrid, meaning that you bring on commission stylists and you bring on, um, renters, which then you're running two business models and it can be very, very, very complicated. It's mm -hmm. tough to, to run one business model, uh, let alone running two, if there's not clear structure and communication. But the other system in which I believe that you may have been talking about, and I've been seeing this a lot lately, and I've been coaching a lot to this because it's, you know, I have to change the way I coach and teach too, because if I was coaching commission salon owners the way it was five years ago, they would be like, what's going on with you? Um, now it's the hybrid where they bring on assistants, they train them, they then become commission stylists and they work through a growth strategy or a level system. And then they have the option after they run through all of that to have their own chair. 
And now the process is, this is what we do. You come in, you train, you're an assistant, you go commission, and then you have the option, but there's a strategy and a system to it, right? Mm -hmm. We're not just bringing in renters and then bringing in commission like at the same time. And so I find that, and you may have heard this too, that a lot of owners are really opening their eyes to that model because they, they have great stylists and they keep losing them because they can't offer that freedom mm-hmm. and flexibility of right. having their own chair and they keep losing them. So have you find that more, that hybrid shift where coming in as assistants and then traveling up, have you heard of that more often than, than none, you know, recently? Of course. Yeah, I have heard about that. And I think that's a great way. It actually gives them a growth plan because as you're saying, uh, and you make a good point, it's like, when somebody starts out at a commission salon, if there's no where for them to go when they mm-hmm. grow, they're going to have this great clientele, this great Instagram, and they're going to realize, okay, I've kind of capped out. Like I don't have control of my growth anymore. Um, where do I go? I guess I got to move. I got to find my own space. I got to find another right. salon with more growth potential. But by offering that, then it gives them the, the, the confidence to know that, okay, I'm ready to try this. And God forbid it doesn't happen and doesn't work for them. They don't like it they're still in the same salon. They can just Mm -hmm. shift back to a commission. Right. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's really about, again, you have to do what you feel is best for your Mm -hmm. business and your business model. And we're not saying by any means, go and change your whole structure, Mm -hmm. you know, but it's, it is also being open to the fact that it could work. You know, I have a lot of uh, clients that I'm coaching right now that are thinking of doing this. They're even thinking of incorporating suites or even, you know, some renters into their business. And we're walking through how to do that because it is a shift. Um, But if they were to, if they were to just keep their business model straight as commission, do you have any advice maybe on how they could be more open or how they could be more flexible or maybe things that they would offer differently in their total compensation package, not just like how they're being paid commission? Do you have Mm -hmm. any tips on that or advice? Well, I'd say if you want to have a successful commission salon, you really need to focus on the experience of people working there. Mm -hmm. If they, they need to feel community, they need to feel like they're growing, even if there's no real growth path, Uh, but maybe even like a structured level system, like you had mentioned, Mm -hmm. maybe not going into a booth renting, but they're making a certain commission now, make another percent here, another couple percent here until you get to that, that cap. But if there is something also in place where the salon contributes into education, they can go take education somewhere if they reach certain goals. I feel like that is what a lot of people are looking for. Mm -hmm. They are 1000% looking for growth. They're looking for strong leadership. They're looking for education too. Like they mm-hmm. really want, they really want to know that they are going to grow technically and what that looks like, you know? Mm-hmm. So absolutely right. growth strategies are huge. And for people who are coming into salons now, they're like, how am I going to grow? How am I going to make more money? How am I going to spread my wings? You know, how am I going to know more about if I want to, you know, niche down later on down the line? Like, am I going to have all of this, you know, behind me and, and, am I going to have product on the shelf? That's another thing. Cause I did a yeah. poll about this a couple of years ago. And am I going to have a leader that is going to guide me and support me, hold me accountable, uh, really set things up for me and care about me in a way where I'm just not a number, you know, I'm just not an employee, mm-hmm. but I'm actually cared about. Um, so I love that advice. I think one of the things that I really want to know from you today, because I know that we've been struggling with this for years and years and years since I've been in this business and I'm mm-hmm. sure you as well, how do we bridge the gap between stylists and owners? Like, how do we make them come together? Because owners are 
upset because stylists are not coming in. They, you know, they're, they're maybe being a little bit lackadaisical. They're not showing up when they should. They don't maybe have the work ethic, if you will, or they show up in an interview and they're one way and then they get hired and then they're another way. Um, they don't want to maybe put in the work and then the stylists are mad because they feel in some cases they've been mistreated mm-hmm. by commission salon owners. And I feel like there's this, there is this divide. What do you recommend that we do as a, as a unit, as a community to bridge that gap? I think there needs to be more transparency, Mm -hmm. more open communication. Instead Mm -hmm. of a salon leader telling you what to do and saying this is the way it is, really, really make them a part of 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 everything, of the experience. Of course, the you need a leader to to guide you, but a a leader needs to let the other people in the salon uh, stand out. Mm -hmm. It's not it's not about the leader. The leader needs to step back and make it about them, about the their employees. Um, And I think maybe early on in that salon experience, you pull everybody together and you, you create some kind of a, a code of ethic, a, a value system that everybody abides by. They sign off on it and, and they each hold each other accountable. And if you don't live up to these account of that accountability of, of, of that code of ethics that you have for your salon, then you're not, you're not a good fit there. And it's, it's time to find another place. Mm-hmm. And also I think it's, it's transparency is key. Mm-hmm. And I know, you know, when I had my salon, I, I was really big on numbers. Like we would post numbers every single week on the back room. So everybody could see where they were. There was no, that was part of my brand and culture. And, you know, I did at, at one point I did share, you know, what it costs for me to open up the doors because mm-hmm. I feel like not that they need to know all of the expenses, but just what it costs to open up the doors. Cause I feel like sometimes stylists feel that, uh, that the owner is like, pocketing all of this money and we're just running around doing all of these amazing things. But at the end of the day, like we're up at night chewing our nails off because we have a 30, 40, 50, 60, $70,000 payroll. Do you know what I mean? So I think transparency is key. I also think listening is very, very important. Being inclusive, you know, Mm -hmm. allowing your team to be a part of some of your decisions and including them in what's happening in your salon. And just really understanding from each other's side. And that just starts from transparency. Mm-hmm. Like, I think also limiting the team meetings, like the, you know, having team meetings, great, but limiting the team meetings and having more one-on-ones mm-hmm. because somebody's going to be a lot more honest with you in a one-on-one. And sure. I do this with my team. I, 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 every now and then, maybe every say quarter, I'll check in with them and individually and have mm-hmm. a phone call. It's usually pretty quick, you know, 10 minutes. And we're, we're, I'm just, saying, you know, how, how are you, how's everything going for you? Or do you like the direction of, of your role with mob? Do you see yourself in the future? What are your future goals, your plans? Mm-hmm. And how can I assist you in achieving those? And if it's not with mob, that's totally fine. We've got educators that we, we have them sign a contract, you know, each year mm-hmm. for that year. And we're never going to like hold somebody to a contract. Be like, you sign this contract because I want people to love being part Absolutely. of the company. I don't want to just drag somebody along for the duration if, if they're not fully into it. But some people are there and they're honest that way. If you have a one-on-one, they're like, yeah, you know, I want to f- fulfill my contract and then probably do something after that. I'm like, totally cool. Mm-hmm. If, if those feelings change before that, please let me know because I want to make sure that everybody is here fully, you know, for, for those events, those, those educational seminars and things that we have planned. Um, and I think those one-on-ones are really important. It's going to take more time than doing a big group meeting, but in, in big team meetings, it's like you, you talk about, you talk about the salon 
experience. You talk about big issues mm -hmm. and, and get feedback, but nobody's going to be more honest than they would be in a one-on-one. -on -one. I feel like that's where you can really kind of have serve more as even a mentor and a role model as that leader and, and then and actually coach them, help them to achieve their goals and, and really start to get to know them and, and their soul and where they want to go. And, and you'll start to also decide, is this somebody that is going to be part of my salon for a while? Are they not going to be? And where are their needs being met? And if they're not, how can I meet those needs? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. One-on-one -on -one coaching is like everything. It's so mm. important because it allows you to create that bond with them that you wouldn't create in a team meeting. You know, team meetings, you're right. It's for bigger issues. It's for housekeeping items. How can mm -hmm. we grow? What can we do? How can we tweak things like clean your damn bowls up? Stop leaving shit in the sink. Yeah. Like that kind Usual. of stuff, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, one-on-one is like, tell me about you. What can, what can I do to help you? How can I help you grow? What are some of your goals? You know, like, what do you, what do you see yourself doing aside from being a stylist here? Like, what do you want to be an educator? Like, let's talk about some of this stuff. Um, I, I think this is, and these are conversations that really need to be had. And I think that commission salon owners should start to feel comfortable with being more transparent. It takes time. Mm -hmm. sure. um, but I think that being open to change and being transparent are, and of course, having one-on-one -on -one sessions with your team are really important in terms of kind of like, bridging mm -hmm. that gap. Um, One other thing I really want to toss in there is yeah. that I think another uh, issue, problem I see, a challenge that I see that a lot of salon owners take on is they're, they're trying to be the boss, but they're also trying to be their friend. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you, you can't be their friend. Mm -hmm. Like you can be nice to them, you can be kind to them, but you have to lead them. They need to respect you as the boss, as the leader, or they're not going to clean up those damn bowls. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. And I've seen that a lot too, where you get super, super friendly and the lines get blurred. Mm -hmm. And I also think now to your point that you brought this up, it sparked something in me where I think sometimes salon owners think the less hard they are on their team, the less structure they have, the less accountability there is that their team is going to love them. But it's actually the opposite. Mm -hmm. People want routine. They want structure. They are working in a commission salon for a reason. So just because you let them get away with everything doesn't mean that it's going to be great forever. It may be great for a short span of time, but then it starts to turn where then the stylists start to run the business mm -hmm. and the owner has no longer has any control on what's happening. Right. And so I'm glad that you brought that point up because there does have to be a line there where it's like, Hey, I love you. I'll do anything for you. Don't push me because my business mm -hmm. always comes first. You know, right. like that kind of was the stance that I had with my team. And even still to this, this day, I'm still friendly with them and would do anything for them. But in my business, it was like, hey, I really love you. I will really do anything to help you both personally and professionally. Mm -hmm. um, but if you come for me, my business is always going to come first because you have to think long term. Mm -hmm. You know, you're as an owner, which I think a lot of people forget is that you are responsible. This is the shit that would weigh on me every single night. You are responsible for your team members feeding their families, paying their mortgages and their rent, buying gas for their car so they could drive around. Like you're responsible for that. If your doors aren't open, that, oh my God, that is this, I don't know about you, but that's the shit that would keep me up at night. And I'm like, when my business was struggling and I almost closed for the second time, God, the thought of just disappointing them and thinking, oh my God, they have kids and I'm going to close my business because I made 
screwed up decisions in my life. Like Mm -hmm. that's very, very heavy. Have you felt that pressure of like, oh my God, like this is, I'm responsible for humans, you know, (laughs) like they're like kids in a sense. Mm -hmm. Have you felt that? I I do feel it more and more. I I feel like I'm always under some kind of pressure and and every now and then I got to, I just gotta, I gotta, I gotta remind myself. I'm like, oh yeah. The, I mean, of course, we've got a very successful business, which is great. But we've obviously had our challenges, like any business would. Mm-hmm. But then, if, as we grow and expand more, it's like, I, I'm like, wow, we got a lot of people on payroll now, and mm-hmm. some are full time. And if they didn't have this, they got to find another job, and they've right. got kids, and and they, as you're saying, they've got responsibilities. And if and my business is is supporting their families, yeah, and that's. That's, that's heavy. It really, really mm-hmm. is heavy. Um, but let's shift gears. Sure. <laughs> let's go down another path. <laughs> um, good. Let's talk about, because the last time we had you on, you talked about how you used Yelp to build your business. And, you know, we still have stylists and owners that are in the rebuilding phase. Now that we're moving into the latter part of, or second half of 2021 and moving into 2022, do you still think that Yelp is one of the best ways to build a business? And if not, what else would you suggest? I guess it depends on the area that mm-hmm. your business is in. If you're in a, an area that Yelp is a popular search engine where you go and look for reviews, I think that that's where you, one place you need to focus your time. I, and I think the way you decide that is you use yourself as an example. When you look for a restaurant, when you look for a mechanic, anything, uh, a blind guy, you need, not a blind guy, like a, a blinds, windows, blinds. <laughs> oh, like, oh, like, uh, <laughs> like, like, like blinds, things. like curtains in the back. Yes, yeah. gotcha. You want to find a blind guy. No, <laughs> go to this dating app. No. Um, <laughs> then that's where you would, that's, that's then if that's where you would go for something or a service provider, then, then other people are, are going to do what you do. So sure. that might be, enough reason to, to sell it to yourself. Okay. I go to, I use Yelp all the time. I use Yelp all the time too. I know that they have some, some fishy business strategies to, to <laughs> yeah. push businesses to the top. And, and uh, yep. it was funny, actually yesterday, this, this guy came uh, knocking on our door and he's like a pest control guy trying to um, solicit business and everything mm-hmm. like that. And it was really awkward because I was working out at home and I have got my gym in the garage and my garage doors open and I got my shirt off because, you know, I can do that at home. And I'm not really super <laughs> like confident in my body right now. So I'm just sitting out there with shorts and talking to this guy, my shirt off and my hair is just a total wreck because I'm again working out at home. I don't have anywhere to, no pockets to put my hands in. Yep. So I'm just kind of standing there like, you know, not trying to look like I'm tough, but I don't know what to do with my body, with my hands. I'm just <laughs> kind of standing there talking to this guy. <laughs> and, uh, and we're talking and I'm like, you know, I, I, I got to go. I only have a few minutes left in my workout. And, you know, I was trying to cut the conversation short. And I said, uh, what's your business? I'll look you up on Yelp. And he's like, oh, yeah, we don't, we don't use Yelp. And he was talking about like, their, we don't like their solicitation strategy. Mm-hmm. So, of course, in my head, I'm thinking, you guys probably just have a bad Yelp review or something like that. You're trying right. to hide. Um, but he did kept talking about like, check out our reviews. And he wasn't really specific. But I got curious later and um, he, they got tons of reviews on Google. Google mm-hmm. reviews are off the chart, you know? So I'm like, oh, okay, so they do have it and they, maybe they just had bad experiences with Yelp. I have, um, but it still helped to put my business into the forefront of a lot of other yeah. salons at the time. Um, I, I think it is important. I also think Google reviews is important. I think Facebook yeah. reviews are important. I mm-hmm. think all of those review systems are important and then just prioritize them 
in in a way that you are, that are most prominent in your area. So if Yelp is the first place that people turn to in your area, then focus on that first. You know, mm -hmm. it's hard to do them all at once. You can't just tell a client, hey, go to these four different review sites and leave reviews. That'd be <laughs> right. great, thanks. Talk to you later. Uh, and, and if you're not sure which people use for reviews, ask them. People are afraid to ask people. Ask your friends, ask your family. Do you use Yelp? Do you use Google reviews? Mm -hmm. Where do you look for when you're trying to verify and uh, have a business vouch for itself? Where do, you, where do you look for that kind of verification? Even Instagram, is it Instagram where you go? Where do you go? And then get that consensus and then start to put your time into that. And uh, as far as like getting reviews, people are like, well, how am I going to get reviews? I don't right. have any clients yet. Actually, you probably have more clients than you think. They might not mm -hmm. be paying you. They might be your family members. Right. They might be, you know, little Betty Sue from little with the, with the white hair from beauty school, Right. you know, reach out to all of them. And, you know, some of them might have a computer and you, you, you send them a link and say, you know, hey, I'm starting my own business or I'm moving into a salon. I would greatly appreciate a, a positive recommendation on, on how I made you feel, on how you liked my services, my haircut. It's not like they're vouching for the business itself. They're vouching for you as a service provider. And anybody in your cosmetology experience that you've touched their hair, that you've given them a service, paid or, or unpaid, they are people that can give you an honest review. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Just start review. building that yes. up. Yes. And listen, anything that you put your time and energy into 100% is going to grow. Like you spent your time nurturing Yelp. And that really helped you grow your business. And Yelp may not be for everyone, but it could be Facebook and focus on those Facebook reviews mm -hmm. or Google. You know, there's so many ways that you can go about this in a way where I know myself when I look for things, whether it's a massage therapist or nails, pedicure, whatever, I'm going right to the review section, mm -hmm. especially with hotels. And I'm going to go to the negative reviews first because I want to see what they're right? This is what we do. We just do this as humans. So Reviews are huge for your business. And I love how you pointed out the fact that you have more clients than you think you do because we, you know, we will have uh, new stylists that are listening and they're like, but how do I get reviews if I don't have any clients? Use your friends and family, use those people to help you. And like Jay would say, if he was here, a closed mouth never gets fed, right? You have to ask people for help and who better than people who already know, love and trust you. So that's, that's really, really good advice. Um, as we kind of close out here, I want you to kind of tell us what you think or what you see for the future of our industry. Um, what does it hold? What does it look like? Can you, can you I mean, start that over? You, you cut, you cut out for, you cut out oh, for I, a minute. Oh, darn. Damn it. Zoom. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know zoom problems. Um, so what do you, what does the future look like for our industry? What, and that's a general question. You could go 5 million different ways, but what do you think our industry will look like in five, 10 years, you know, in your professional opinion? I, in our, in our industry, I think, I think we got to get really good at video. I think we got to get really Ooh. good at photo taking. Mm -hmm. I think we have to work on <laughs> everything that's not hair <laughs> yes, <laughs> to, yeah. to really learn how to market ourselves mm -hmm. and, and, and not just create a fancy logo and be like, Oh, I got a pretty logo. This is my salon and this and, and put a business card. And yeah, that's like, that's just the beginning. You know, that's, mm -hmm. that's just a very small part of what you need to be focusing on. You need to learn who your ideal clientele is and, and learn how to talk to them, learn what their problems are, their challenges are, 
their what their what their what's their age bracket? Are they uh, what what hair type is it? You need to get really clear on that so that you can start to craft these messages, build up your these email lists of people that you can reach out to, uh, that you can send them. You know, say you have an email list full of five thousand potential guests, or ten thousand, or twenty thousand, or even more than that. I mean, it, it might be completely overwhelming when you start to get those higher numbers. But the more people you make contact with that are interested in what you do, mm -hmm. the easier it is going to be to, as you said, get them to know you, like you, and trust you. And then, and then marketing to them, it, it's it's not annoying them. It's just they're you're, you're they're hearing from you, even if it is in a newsletter format as long as you're giving them valuable information and interesting, interesting stuff, they're going to appreciate it. Mm -hmm. You know, we'd love to be marketed to from brands. We, we know, like, and trust, mm -hmm. you know, it's the ones that continually email us. And we were just like, how'd you get my email address <laughs> right. that we like yeah. that we, you know, like, deleted delete. or unsubscribe. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, so I think that is important. Learning how to, to, to brand yourself, learning how to market in this world. I mean, I, and, and getting really good at, showing people who you are because mm -hmm. people go to Instagram, not only to look at your work, but they also want to get to know you. And I think that lacks on a lot of people's pages where they'll post these great photos of results. And of course that's just the start, but then you also want to go to somebody, not just because they do great work, but because you feel like you know them mm -hmm. and, and, and like them and trust them before you even sit in their chair. And the only way you can do that is if they post, you know, smiley pictures of themselves, mm -hmm. uh, if they introduce themselves with a video, if they do lives, if they're, I would say it's, it's it, I would say focus on being happy and optimistic because sure. that's what's lacking in our world. And if you are that way, you're going to attract those kind of people, those mm -hmm. happy guests. If you're this like stuck up <laughs> influencer that's frowning all the time, that, that just shows how cool they are mm. and, and talk about how, crappy their clients are or certain clients or how the industry could be better. It's like, you don't, you're spreading more negativity and you're going to attract more right. negativity. So you're just feeding the flame of despair and, and a business that you're going to struggle with, uh, you know, potentially financially and uh, emotionally, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so I see we need to really get comfortable showing who we are uh, and, and, and also working on ourselves on a personal level outside of social media, because some of us put on this great show on social media, like, Oh, I'm this great vibrant person and this and that. Mm -hmm. But then it's not the same person in real life. Right. You know, they sit in your chair and you're quiet. You're, you're not that same confident person mm -hmm. that you are when you're not actually talking to somebody, when you're just talking to your phone. Yep. One of the best compliments I always get is that when somebody meets me in person, they say, oh, you're exactly like I thought you'd be. Mm -hmm. Like, you're, I feel like I already know you. And I'm like, yep. that is a great compliment because I'm just trying to, to, to be, uh, I guess, really relay my truth more and more. And I'm getting better at it. It's funny how, like, you actually have to practice that yeah. to come across like that. Mm -hmm. And that's why people need to start doing that as early as they can so that they feel confident online and in person. Ooh, that's such good advice. Two things that stuck out to me that I want to make sure that I reiterate is you said, do, do things or get better at things that don't have to do with hair. That's like so true. Photo taking, still shots, action shots, video, which you guys know reels right now is everything. Mm -hmm. Showing more of your personality. Um, book time to take photos. Schedule that into your appointment. That's very important. Have accessories. You know, make it a thing. 
and do all of those things that don't have to do with hair. And let's not forget about the business side, right? Like really diving deeper into your numbers and knowing what your profit is and knowing what your budgets are and understanding your profit margins too. And I think it, we're, do, we're seeing that shift for sure. So many stylists and owners are may, you know, paying more attention to that. The other thing that you added was um, when you show who you are and you are positive, you attract those kinds of people. It's so true. My mentors used to say this to me all the time. You attract who you are. Mm-hmm. So if you are not, if you're inauthentic and that's how you're showing up on Instagram, you're not going to attract your perfect target client because you're confusing your audience into thinking that you're somebody that you're not. Mm-hmm. So the more you are you and the more that you show up as your authentic self, the more you're going to spend time with clients that you act, that you actually love. Mm-hmm. So two really, really great points for that. I think, um, I could literally talk to you all day about this stuff. So it's been really great just kind of <laughs> chatting with you. Same. Is there anything else that, because we shared a lot of information, but mm-hmm. is there anything else that you want to add or that we didn't touch on before we shut it down? Uh, well, I, I know that one thing I always say is, is that if, uh, if, if the opportunity is not there, somebody's not giving you what you want, create it for yourself. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was, you know, I always wanted to be on stage as a, as a platform artist. Well, but yeah. even before that, as an actor, I wanted to be on stage or in a movie. Ooh, I could see that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I spent two years in New York and I had maybe one, one successful opportunity that I, that I was actually, I did a movie and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it was a very short movie. I didn't really get paid anything except for, uh, a train ticket to get there. <laughs> <laughs> right, hey, they, you gotta start somewhere. They gave me lunch too, so that you know that was. Cool. Uh, uh, so so that was very unsuccessful, and I didn't have that stage that I wanted. I didn't get right. those those Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt roles that I you know that I'd be perfect for. I just did mm-hmm. not get those right. <laughs> uh, so so then I got into doing hair, and I, I'm like, okay. Then I got to my first hair show at the ISSE show, and saw these platform artists. I'm like, Oh, I want to do that. I want to be up there. I want to be one of these guys throwing scissors around and slapping hair and, you know, <laughs> jamming out to this yeah. loud, obnoxious music. And I want to, I want to be that guy up there. Um, and, uh, I reached out to all these companies and, and they said I didn't have enough experience. And mm-hmm. it was like, it was that kind of like that catch 22 where to get experience, you need experience need experience, but nobody's going to yep. give you that experience to take you to that next level. Yep. So like you can start here, you can be, here's, here's the path to get to where you want to go. And it could take, you know, five, 10, 15 years if it ever happens. And I'm like, yeah, screw you guys. I'm going to build my own education <laughs> company. I'm going to, I'm going to make my own stage. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's, that's one of the, the, the greatest pieces of advice that I can give to anybody. If the opportunity does not exist for you, create it for yourself. Mm, so, so good. And such a positive way to leave, uh, you know, our audience with today. So Thank you so much, Ryan. Again, I love chatting with you. Where can our audience find you on Instagram? Because I know you have, you know, two pages. So why don't you share both? Oh, sure. They can find the the, the big page at, uh, don't you always say, at, at, at <laughs> Masters of Balayage. And, uh, and then they can find me at Ryan.Weedon. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. This is so great. Love just getting your insight, you know, it's so great to just chat with someone and hear, you know, different perspectives and opinions. And I know that uh, everybody listening will enjoy that as well. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to everyone that tunes in every single Friday for us. We are so, so thankful and grateful for your support. 
Again, make sure you follow our sponsor at OligoPro on Instagram at OligoPro and myself at Nina Tulio. Make sure you give Ryan a follow. And of course, my best guy, it's Mr. Jay Ladner. And if you learn anything from listening to us today, please know that it is okay to live in your truth and remember to always live your life out loud. See you next time.